Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What is going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host, and on today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the co-founders of Coalition Snow, Jen Gorecki. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, I'm really happy that I got your last name right. <laughs> um, okay, so right off the bat, for the listener that may not be familiar with Coalition Snow, how would you best describe um, your business? Uh, sure. So Coalition Snow is a women's ski and snowboard company, and our mission is to deconstruct the status quo. Um, quite simply, we make women's skis and snowboards that don't suck. <laughs> I love it. So where where did the idea come from? What made you decide, you know, there's, well, obviously you're a skier. You grew up skiing, correct? I'm actually um, one of the snowboarders on the team. I'm an intermediate skier, um, expert snowboarder, and then everybody else skis. So we, I do both. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have some nice rivalry in the office. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where did where did the idea come from to build a brand specifically catering towards women's skis that don't suck? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like to say that I'm like the dumbest, smartest person that you've ever met. Um, so launching Coalition Snow, um, you know, it was a really it was really good that I didn't know what I was getting into, and and um, because the idea came to came to me, and and I was on a backcountry ski trip out with some friends and we you know as as women as I mean, we always we often talk about just the poor quality of women's skis and, and boards and just scratch our heads around like why why can't we have equipment that we actually that we would that we would want um and so you know with that conversation i feel like has been happening for decades um but a few years ago i noticed that something really interesting was happening in the industry and women um female athletes in particular were becoming so much more outspoken around their position in the industry so for example you had lindsay dyer who wrote an open letter to free skier saying you listed me as one of the top female skiers, but you put a photo of me in a bikini. Number one, you didn't, uh, you weren't authorized to use that photo. And number two, why didn't you use one of the photos I gave you of me skiing? Um, and that was, I hadn't really seen female athletes speak up like, like that before. Um, Molly Baker wrote a blog on OR and there's just this, this chatter, this, this conversation. And on this backcountry ski trip, you know, we were talking about something's really happening in the industry that we haven't seen that I've, I've never seen. And now might be a really good time to be a part of it. And it would have been, um, it, it, women are expected to do things like make clothing, right? So I could have started like a beanie brand or made outerwear and, and women are meant to do clothing. But what would really shake things up is women making hard goods because that's not what we do. You don't see a lot of us in that space. So when, when I thought, and when, when, you know, those of us involved at the beginning thought about like, what could we really do to push this conversation forward and make, um, snow sports and the outdoor industry more equitable for women, it really made sense to launch into hard, hard goods. And that's, that's how we started the company through this conversation. That's on so, a ski trip. <laughs> that's so interesting. So 
did you have any background in manufacturing? <laughs> no, this is why I'm I'm like the dumbest, smartest person you've ever met. I have no background, um, but was able to bring in people who who did. So obviously, we never would have been able to have launched this company without being able to tap into to individuals who had extensive knowledge um, and connections in the industry. So pretty quickly, I was able to do that and build a team of, of mentors, um, business ad- advisors who have helped us be able to grow the company. Right. So when you originally, after this, you came back from the ski trip, um, what was the next step? What did you do in, I guess, uh, laying the foundation to building coalition? Right. So the first thing I did was try to check my crazy. And I did that by emailing and calling uh, as many women as I knew and said, like, so what do you think about this idea of by women for women ski and board? Com- like, is, is this idea for this company crazy? Um, does it resonate with, with you? And I, I asked a lot of my friends to start sending this, you know, sending this concept out to their their connections and be able to even test the um, idea of it. And it was met with just incredible support. So basically took that as sort of an initial validation. And then the next step, um, just quickly got some prototypes made, um, knew that we would never go into production with them. But once again, we were trying to test out the, the, the concept of the, the company. And, um, uh, decided to have an expedition at Mount Kenya, which is the second highest peak in Africa, summited the peak. It's about mm, 16,500 feet, summited the peak, um, skied and snowboarded the glacier, um, and and did this to both raise money for the work that I do in Kenya, but also to see would anyone in the industry pay attention to these women launching a ski company on the top of a peak in Africa. Um they did. And then, you know, that was enough validation where we decided, okay, we're really ready to do this. And so we were able to have some of our friends and family um, support us financially so that we could go into our first production run. And we got, um, you know, we were able to design our first boards and skis and and year one, um, which unfortunately happened to be the um, worst drought in the history of California, we launched with two skis and, and one board, and that was the winter of 2014-15. That's crazy. So did, how, how did the dread affa- affect you when you, when you launched? Oh, we didn't sell anything. We just didn't sell anything. And, um, you know, we, we had had all this positive va- validation, and then we clearly didn't meet any of our sales goals. I mean, we, we sold some stuff, but, um, and we weren't alone. Like most people in the industry suffered. That was a year of suffering. And, you know, this is one of those moments where you can either just close up shop and say, well, it's, it's, it's too hard. Um, we didn't make it this year, or you just figure out a way to move around your obstacles and to move around the things that are blocking you. So, um, what we did is we launched a Kickstarter campaign to actually fund our second year of production. And that was, it was successful. We raised about $30,000 and that allowed us to um, go into production for the second year and move the company forward. So yeah, you just have to get creative. 
you know, when shit hits the fan. So that's what we did. Of course. You know, it's, it's really a blessing in disguise to have your first year be one of the worst snow years ever, because if you can make it through that, you can literally survive anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it couldn't get much worse than that first year. Let's just say that. (laughs) And now, you know, I'm sure you learned so much from that, uh, just in itself. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you um, you raised you you ran the Kickstarter for your second uh, season. You raised thirty thousand, so you validated the idea completely. Then, then what happened? Um, I, the the suffer the suffering continued. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we have just come together and and just tried to to move move things for, forward. So you know, we. Um, in our second year, we were able to get a, an awesome gear review from Blister. We started building an athlete team and an ambassador team. Um, we actually sold skis and snowboards to humans whom we do not know. Um, and and that like those are like when when that email comes through and you're like, I have no idea who this person is, and they bought something from us. Yes. Um, but that was really year two for us was looking at, at how we build sort of the coalition snow community and, and recognizing that if, if I want, if, you know, if I want to achieve the scale that I want to, like, we can't be this, you know, Lake Tahoe, Reno company, like we need to be much bigger. So we, we really worked hard at building this ambassador and our athlete team. Um, and that was our, our second year. We also, um, that was, we had a very small, I would call it a display at um, SIA, which is the winter trade show. Um, and that landed us a deal with REI. And so going into our third year, which was um, the winter we just finished, 2016-17, we had our skis and REI stores. Um, you know, we definitely, like, have a lot more people who are part of our, our community. We've grown our ambassador and the athlete team. Um, sales have been doing well. Um, humans are getting paid. Like it actually feels <laughs> like we're kind of doing it. Um, and it, and we're at the point now where, um, we're not going away anytime soon. And that feels really good to have like gotten over that hump of, like maybe we'll exist, maybe we won't. We don't know because it's it's so like it's so hard. Um, but we're we finally we're finally at a point where it's still quite challenging. But we're we're here. Definitely, it's uh, an exciting roller coaster <laughs> to say the least. Yes. To build a business like that, <laughs> yeah. especially well, at least you guys had one of the best snow years ever <laughs> to to uh, bounce back from the your first year. It's true. Last last year was um, pretty epic. I mean, there was definitely some times where it felt like it was too much, um, you know, like when there was no electricity for five days right. um, and the roads are closed and you're, you know, trying to, you're like fleeing Lake Tahoe to get on the road to get to, you know, Salt Lake to uh, the trade show and you're trying to flee like the massive flood that's coming. Yeah, it was, um, last year was an adventure for sure. I bet. Okay, so when you you started out, you're, you just finished up your third season. What did the the process be? What was the process in um, creating the first prototype to the quality of product that you're offering now? And what do you guys do that's so different in the sense of um, offering specific skis to women? 
Yeah, so I would say that our process um, hasn't really changed over the years. I mean, we're what we're able to do now that we couldn't do back then is we just have a bigger line. So the same process of, you know, it's sort of like a meeting of, of the minds um, where our team comes together. We talk about, you know, what it is that we want in a ski and, and, and we really focus on the end game, right? Like how do we want the ski to feel? How do we want to feel on it? And then, you know, after we come up with our basic designs, um, we work with our builders to prototype. So we don't, we don't actually manufacture the skis our, ourselves. And the reason why we chose not to do that is that we wanted to, we didn't want to lose years and years and years of perfecting the building when there's experts, when there's people who've already put in 10, 20 years. Um, so we're really focused on the, on, on the design and then our, our builders ensure that we have an incredible um, ski and board to, to deliver. So, you know, we, we focus on the, on, on the design, we prototype, we get samples, we test, we re refine. Um, sometimes things make it into production. Sometimes they, they don't. Um, but what we've been able to get better at is just being able to amplify that and be able to offer, um, a, a broader, you know, a, a, a larger line, um, I would say that what makes our skis and snowboards different from what's out there is that we are designing around the strengths of women rather than their weaknesses. So when you look at a lot of um, design thinking, it's gone into women aren't strong enough to initiate a turn. Women don't have as much power. Women aren't. Like there's all these knots, um, N-O-T-S, knots fit into what women cannot do. And we sort of design around the perspective of what women can do. And, and, and that just it's just a different way of, of thinking. So what you end up with is, you know, a, um, a piece of equipment that is really created to help women feel the best and, and be the best on the mountain, whether you're a beginner or an expert, it doesn't matter. Like we make equipment that is designed to have like for you to have just like the best fucking day. Like that's the whole like fun factor. Hi. Um, <laughs> You know, that's, that's what it's all, all about. And, you know, the other thing that makes us, us different is that we, we're, we're really fortunate that we can stay so laser focused on what it is that women want. We're not trying to build skis for men, right? So it's not to say that men can't ski on our skis or that they wouldn't like them. We've had men ski on them. They love them. It's just that we're not thinking about what men want. We're only thinking about what women want. So we're hyper-focused on that. And so when you talk about what makes a woman ski, well, what makes it women is that we're women thinking about what we want, only building the things that we want and not taking into consideration what... Um, what men want, you know, like, so, so it just makes it, um, I think we have skis that are a little bit tougher and, um, you know, they're definitely stiffer, um, and they hold up. You, like, you're not going to get on a pair of coalition skis and feel that chatter. You're not going to, you're not going to feel like they, they slip out. Um, but they also, you know, depending on which model, they're also not too, too much of a ski, depending on, you know, if you're just starting out. So, um, and then we believe that women should have lots of choices, right? Like choice is important. Um, and so many times women go to look at what their options are with women specific. And it's like the one thing, 
here's this one ski in these two sizes with this really shitty graphic on it. Uh, you're welcome. You know, no. <laughs> so, you know, what Coalition Snow is offering is a range of skis and snowboards and a range of sizes and a range of, of graphics. And so we're just sort of opening up the space where women have more choices and more, more um, you know, more, more freedom to, to have a piece of equipment that's perfect for them. It's almost crazy that someone didn't do this sooner. Like I'm thinking back to like like all my female friends that are like incredible skiers, and all of them r- ride men's skis. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and no, it's like oh duh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely it's not it's not rocket science. We we don't purport to have any sort of proprietary technology. Um, you know, where we're revolutionizing the industry is by really just through the the voice and the energy that we bring saying women can design and women can ski this hard and we'll show you um and and being unapologetic about it and having an all fe- female design team like 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 I said we just we're laser focused we don't get confused on who we're trying to market to or who we're trying to reach or who our customer is like like, you know, our community is us. We are our community. It helps us, that helps us build, build, um, skis and snowboards that, you know, really work for women. I think that's awesome. So did you have any mentors along this process and journey? Oh yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had a lot. So I definitely, um, we have formal, business advisors who come from all different sectors, whether it's like the finance side of things or the manufacturing or branding. I mean, for anybody who's looking to start a business, um, the time to find a formal mentor is now. Uh, You should never go into business without having these um, advisors. And so we we have those people. And then there's just, you know, I've been really fortunate um, that there's a lot of um, men and women, both in the industry who love what we're doing and they reach out and say, how, how can I help you? So I've had tons of one-off conversations with people in the industry who've been incredibly successful and built a career. Um, and then I've had, you know, very formal, um, more intimate and personal relationships and, and all of these people together have really helped us get, you know, get us where we are today. We wouldn't have been able to do it, um, without bringing in these, these people. Having great mentors is such a big part of building a business, especially doing it well and preventing a lot of headaches, <laughs> a yes. lot of headaches. Um, yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you uh, sort of about the, the manufacturing process. Um, sure. w- how have you guys developed and created a, a sense of sustainability and in, in obviously making um, products that are inherently not sustainable skis and, and snowboards? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. And, and full transparency, we don't do as much as I would like to. And that's the, that's the downside of being a small indie company is that capital restrains you. You don't have as much money as you want to, um, do, you know, to, to manufacture, to, to do everything that, that you want to do. Um, so in a perfect world, we would do a lot more, but what we are able to do now um, all of our skis that are manufactured in the U.S., we use FSC cer- certified wood. Um, we make it a priority to only purchase and ship in 100% recycled uh, boxes. We plant a tree for every single ski or snowboard that that we sell. Um, you know what I would 
what I would like to grow into is making sure that um, we're able to integrate more sustainable, more ecologically friendly materials into all of our skis and boards. But uh, I actually did quite a bit of research on this prior to launching the company. I was working. One of the things that I have that I um, have quit since launching the ski company is I was actually working on a PhD, um, and that has gone to the wayside, of course. But um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time. I was getting a PhD in sustainability, and I was I was looking at um, the carbon footprint of building building a ski. So, like, how would you actually um, mitigate that? Um, and what I found was that there's no way to offset the amount of energy that it takes to actually press a ski. So even if you have all of, you know, the most ecologically sustainable materials in your ski, the the greatest carbon footprint comes from pressing it, the energy that goes into pressing it, and then to shipping it. And so that was really interesting to me to recognize that um, the building of these skis and the, and the moving of them to people is really what creates the, the, the most damage. Um, and then obviously every time we get in our car to go drive somewhere to go ski is an issue. And all of that creates a much larger carbon footprint than the actual materials that, that go in. Um, so I just always like noodle on these things and, and think about like, where, where can we, um, make, make an inroad on the sustainability side because it's really, important. Um, and, and I'm, you know, ideally our company grows to the point where we have the resources to be able, um, to do everything that we want in this, in this arena. It's such a challenging thing, especially just sustainability in itself. It it can, you can do it in so many different ways. And when you get into business, you don't realize how many ways there, like how many things are getting wasted or how many certain processes cost what, and you're just sort of like, whoa, like (laughs) there's so much more to think about, not just trying to build a business that's successful. Exactly. Yeah. And there are, you know, from a, it's, you know, like I said, it's not just about the materials of, of your, of your skis and boards. It's like, do you have an office policy where you print everything or do you choose to be on the cloud? Like we're on the cloud. We don't print things, right? Like we'll, we'll print a shipping label in a, you know, but we don't print out our emails. We don't, um, we don't even have like a proper office where we come into like we, you know, if we have like when we've had to buy furniture, we've bought it used. Um, everything that we use for shipping is recycled. So there's all these little things, um, that running a business, it's so much more than just about your actual product. And there's a lot that you can do, um, in these other areas. And then, you know, I think one thing too, is that, it's it's good for like it's good for your audience and your community to know that it's so expensive <laughs> if to transition into using like all of these ecologically sustainable um, materials and and for us a lot of it is like what what will the market tolerate? Do I actually think that I can sell a pair of skis to someone for like twelve hundred dollars? Right. I don't I don't think people I don't. I don't, I mean, and any, anyone, you know, you're welcome to tell me I'm wrong. You can tweet at me. I'm at yoga recce or coalition snow. You can find me on the interwebs. Please tell me I'm wrong and tell me a different way to do this. But until we have a community of people who are willing to pay for all of it, um, it becomes really problematic because if, if I can't, if I can't, you know, sell it, then, then it doesn't happen. And I think that, um, a lot of it is that, 
people aren't willing to pay for it. And so, you know, that's, that's hard and I'm not faulting anyone. I'm not, um, you know, shaming our, our community of, Oh, you won't, you won't pay. It's just more of a reality that people don't want to pay the couple hundred extra dollars that it would cost to have a ski that was manufactured in a different way. It's a really good point. Um, it, it's a lot of it is a mindset and sort of an expectation of cons- of consumers being like, why the hell are they charging that much? Like, what's so, you know, great about it? Yada, yada, yada. And I think that's something that will change over time, especially now that it's become a lot more important to consumers to know or at least seemingly know that the, the products yeah. that they're purchasing are um, created at least with sustainability in mind, whether or not it's done the most sustainable uh, in most sustainable way possible, but at least that it's working towards that. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about uh, the structure of Coalition Snow. So I wanted to ask you about um, the culture and the organization. I know you guys go back and forth from Reno and Lake Tahoe. Uh, I'd love to sort of hear the dynamic. <laughs> um. <laughs> How to explain coalition? Okay, we um, we're a remote team. I like as you know, one of the founders and as the CEO, I it's just not in my blood to do things the way that you're supposed to do things. Like I've never done what you're, and I'm like air quoting right now, supposed to, right? right yeah. So for me, I'm 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 turning 40 years old this month. I have never had a nine to five job. So why would I then start a company? to build a nine to five. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Right. So, um, we have a flexible, like we have flexible hours. We work when we want to work as long as our job gets done. We have incredibly high expectations in the company, but we don't, you know, we don't limit people to your greatest work can only be done between nine and five. Um, we love slack. We actually love slack, like love, Slack revolutionized <laughs> our world. Um, and so we use Slack as a tool to communicate um, use our random channel. If anybody who's on Slack, I think, I think we should run a contest where people just get to spend a day on our random channel because it's that random and that's fun. Um, so, you know, we, we use Slack. We, we use a lot of te- technology. Um, we do have weekly meetings as a team. Sometimes we're together Sometimes we're not like I'm the one who travels a lot. So I tend to be the human who's, who's calling in. Um, we prioritize powder days. If it's snowing, like no one's working. That's just, you can work at night. Like there's no reason to miss a day. Um, we actually won't schedule any meetings in the morning during the winter. Um, so if you, if you (laughs) want to speak to us in the winter time, it must happen after noon, um, or else I won't do it. Um, we like to drink whiskey. That's part of the culture. Um, we are irreverent um, and frequently almost cross the line of inappropriate on a daily basis, which also um, makes I, I personally think that we're we're a lot of fun. So yeah, that's that's the the culture. And um, you know, we as I've said, like we're a small company and we've just started, so we work a lot. Like you know, we might have these flexible schedules, but, um, it's intense and you're there for one another and you're on and you, you know, you work seven days a week and you work crazy hours and in the winter you're on the road a lot. And, um, that's just what you do. 
starting a business is super fun and being able to create your own schedule like that. Like, um, we do the same thing. Like uh, I yeah. live with one of my partners and our third one lives in Atlanta. So, um, we're always gallivanting around. And so we, we yeah. have our meetings that each of us have to like call in for, but outside of that, it's work when you want, when, when you can yep. outside of whatever else you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I love the dynamic of the business and showing that, like, especially in 2017, it's so much easier to uh, work from anywhere and, and work when you want. Um, and it also goes to show that, like, it doesn't take eight hours to get a lot of work done. Like, you can be a lot more efficient in how you work and um, mm-hmm. be more productive as a result of it. Um, I wanted to ask, what, what would you say has been some of the hardest parts of building uh, Coalition Snow? Yeah. Wow. There's so many, like we could have a whole series of podcasts just on that one question. Um, I would say starting off, not so much now, but starting off, no one took us seriously. No one really thought that it was almost like, Oh, you girls are so cute with your project. Pat, Pat. Um, that was pretty infuriating. Um, because we are serious and it's not, you know, it's not the first time, I've started a business. So, um, that was really hard just not being taken seriously. I don't feel that way anymore. Like I, I mean, it happens here and there, like there's definitely some of that attitude that still happens, but, um, we're at a point now where we have enough traction and we've, we've accomplished enough things that that is sort of changing, but that was really hard, um, to manage at the beginning just because, you know, like personally, I do have so much pride around my work and I work so hard, like you don't want to be discounted for it. Um, I would say the other thing is, um, like cash flow, having money, like money, money's a thing. Um, it personally in my life, I've never prioritized having money, which is why like I own nothing. But, um, when you, it's, it's really, you know, skis, any sort of hard goods, it's capital intensive. And, um, we found that to be like to grow the company the way that we want to, we have to seek outside investment to make that happen. And raising money going in front of investors has probably been like one of the most soul crushing experiences of my entire life. Um, it's, Oh, it's, it's the worst. And some investors are lovely. Those happen to be the ones who've written us checks um, kisses, high fives to all of you. Um, but people who say no, sometimes like say no in the most brutal offensive ways. And you pair that with just like how much time and energy that you put into, um, having that perfect pitch deck and having your financials in place and doing all of that. And, uh, it's really hard. So that, that has probably been, you know, one of the most difficult things. Um, yeah, those, those are the top two. Yeah, I, I totally can see that. You have a combination of um, bootstrapping slash uh, raising capital with the uh, coalition? We do, yeah. Awesome. And so you started out, obviously, with um, the Kickstarter, and then as you guys grew, you, you decided to bring on outside investment? Yeah. And, and, you know, we've, we've worked a lot with friends and family. Like, um, our perspective on working with investors is that you should only have people be a part of your company that you want to sit down at a table with and share a meal. Um, so, you know, I've definitely said no to people because I was like, this isn't a good fit. And, you know, at the end of the day, 
um, I'm going to make sure that my company um, is, is like, we have to maintain that women have the decision-making power in this company um, and understanding, you know, that my team needs the power to be able to do what, what we need to do and to not be constrained by investors is really important. And it's something, um, I think it's something that a lot of, um, you know, startups or companies face is you're, you, you get to those places where you need money so badly and you have to be careful about where you take that money from so that you don't lose you know, sort of like the, the core of, of who, who you are. And so you, you play this like values versus cash flow game a lot. And we've been really lucky that, um, you know, the people who've invested in us, like it's not that they believe in the company and that they think they'll get a return on it. They actually believe in us as, as women and they believe in what it is that we're trying to do in the industry. Like they, they get it and they want to be a part of that change. Um, and so that's been, that's been really good, but the fundraising in general sucks like so bad. I can only imagine <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we bootstrapped completely. I couldn't even fathom the idea. Well, two, two aspects. One is getting into the manufacturing business. Like mm, anyone I mm-hmm. talk to in the manufacturing business, I'm like, holy crap. I couldn't imagine doing that, <laughs> going through that, that process. It's just, <laughs> it, like the stuff that can go wrong is, Oh Yeah will stress anybody out. <laughs> oh yeah, it's I mean this really is like we have started one of the most difficult businesses that you ever could and and you know um the next thing I do cuz I I always do lots of things so it's not like I'm leaving tomorrow but you know I plan on living a long life like I probably will not manufacture a product again. Let's just say that. Like like <laughs> I think um that yeah the the product side of it that's intense. And I didn't like, sometimes I don't even think about including that in the answer of what's so challenging because that's what we do. So you can't get out of that, right? Like we are a company that manufactures a product that then people buy and that is inherent in our model. So, um, but yeah, there's been, I've lost so many hours of sleep over wondering like, is that shipment going to get here or man, that pant, like that Pantone color didn't match. Like, God damn it, like the, the Pantone color's wrong, or like, you know, just different things like that that um, make, you know, this is why sometimes I drink whiskey at 11 a.m. It happens. <laughs> yeah, it's like little simple things where you're talking with the manufacturer and they're just like guessing you to death. You're like, okay, they got it. And then it shows up and it's completely wrong, or like one little uh-huh. aspect is wrong and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yep. Kudos. I give you lots and lots of kudos. I get stressed out enough with Ready Eddie. I couldn't. <laughs> um, okay. So what would you say, and I guess we sort of touched on this a bit, but if it's different, what is your greatest fear and how do you manage it with uh, Coalition Snow? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, one of my greatest fears is that because there's not a lot of other female founded or women specific companies that do what we do, that we end up being sort of the de facto voice for women or what we do somehow defines all women. Um, and that's not the case. Like we, what we do and what we stand for and how we do it and what we say and, and our successes and our failures are really unique to us. And, um, 
I think one of the things that has honestly kept me going every single day is to know that if I didn't wake up and make coalition happen, then people would say, yep, women can't do this. So that's like one of my biggest fears is that we fail and then that somehow reflects upon all women's ability to be able to be in, in the hard goods side of things. Um, or that like I'm a CEO and I fail at being a CEO and people go, yep, that's why women shouldn't lead, you know, and that might seem like a really irrational fear. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I look around in the world today of the things that people say about women and I don't feel, you know, I think it's, um, it feels, that feels real to me. Um, so that's one of my, my biggest fears is that, we would fail and then people would think poorly of women in, in general in this space. Um, another one of my biggest fears is, um, I don't know, this thing called climate change. Uh, I love <laughs> the snow. Um, and it is um, devastating to think, you know, what might actually, what this world might look like, like what our winters might look like, what, what life for people on this planet might look like really soon. Um, and that gets back to like, oh, well, you're creating a project that you're creating a product that, you know, has a carbon foot, foot, foot has a carbon footprint and what are we doing for the world? But um, I worry that my company might be irrelevant in 10 years because we won't have a lot of snow. Um, and I think we just all avoid that. Like, oh, that's so far. It's so far. Like we can just keep skiing ev every w winter, but um I don't know. That's like, I think about that a lot. Um, it's funny. The, uh, the things that, um, everyone has their stresses, right? And, um, when you mentioned the first one about failing and, and basically being the face for women and people pegging you as like, Oh, well, women can't do that. It's something that just never entered my mind. Um, <laughs> for me, like obviously cause yeah. I'm a guy. Um, so right. like my stresses are like, people are going to think I'm a failure. <laughs> uh, right. you know what I mean? Not that they're going to peg my entire gender as that, which I can't even imagine <laughs> the stress yeah. that is involved with that. Um, so, I, but I, I, at the same time, I bet it motivates you to an unbelievable, uh, point. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, it's, I was, sometimes you feel like a martyr, right? You're just, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, and it's funny because if, you know, obviously I've had failures throughout my life and like, I will continue to have them. And of it's course. funny that I, I don't take that so personally because I, I'm so confident in what I do and I know that I work hard and I know that I've had so many successes that failure is not so personal to me as it is about the team, you know, like letting your team down. Um, and, and your team can be like, you know, the, the four of us who work together, my, my team can be all my athletes and ambassadors. My team can be all the people who have, um, financially supported us as investors. My team can be our, our customers, right? Like there's these layers of, of team where that my, my fear is letting them down, you know, like not so much about what people are going to think about me versus like how they're going to feel and, and just how that, um, how that just reflects on, on women. Yeah. It's, in, yeah, it's interesting. The stresses of being a leader. That's really what it comes down to when people like you, as a leader, people look to you and you're like, yeah. you've built a, a business that's a provider, right? Where you yeah. have people on your team where you're, you're response, you're essentially like air quotes, where like obviously they're contributing as well. Um, but it, it feels like you have a, a sense of responsibility to like not mess it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Speaking of messing it up, <laughs> yeah. what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made um, in regards to Coalition Snow? <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> oh, let me count this way. Um, so, um, first year production, like, Pantones weren't right. Like, I still don't even know how to resolve that mistake because I thought we had the Pantones correct, but, like, uh, my first pair of skis came out purple, and when I looked at them, I, like had a panic attack because I thought like they were meant to be this like beautiful, like galaxy blue and they were purple, like somehow like fucking that up. I don't know. I still don't know how (laughs) we managed to do that, but like that, that felt like a really big mistake, even though nobody else knew what color it was supposed to be. And some people really like purple. So it worked out. But like, for me, I was like, Oh, that, that was bad. Um, I would say that I waited too long to get, um, formal advisors for the business. Um, I feel like we're like, had I done that before we started the business, my learning curve would have been a lot better. Like I, I tried to learn too much by myself in the first year, you know, like figuring all this stuff out and thinking that I could do it myself. Um, that was a mistake. Had I brought on advisors, you know, before we even launched, I think that, um, you know, I would have a greater level of sanity at this point. Um, I, what other mistakes have we made? Um, sometimes like <laughs> a mistake we're going through right now that we're <laughs> living with right now is, um, you know, and this comes back to cash flow to capital, right? We, um, for the skis that we're coming out with, um, for the 2017, 18 season, I had a limited run of samples made, um, just so that we would have enough for the trade show and some gear re- re- reviews. I didn't get enough made. So like we had a photo shoot last week and I didn't have one of my skis cause we just didn't have it. Um, and that felt like, Jen, why didn't you just like, like next time just order, like just get more samples, Jen. It's like not a big deal. Right. But like, you're just like trying to save money. Right. So like almost coming from this place of, of, um, scarcity of like, Oh, we have to save, we have to save like how that leads to affecting you. Um, and once again, it may not seem like a big mistake, but I was bummed that we didn't have that ski for the photo shoot. Um, and that was, you know, I just didn't order enough. Um, yeah, I mean those are just they're like they uh, when I say them out loud they seem a bit trivial and I'm like oh uh, your listeners would be like whatever lady that's not a big deal but at the time they feel so big like just that you um that you just couldn't figure out how to do the easiest thing that you should be able to do right um like I don't think that we've made any like massive massive mistakes because I think we're much more cal- calculated than to do that. Um, but sometimes it's like all your little mistakes that can, um, come together and mount up and, and really destroy you. So I'm, I'm always really focused on that, like making sure that we don't have so many small things that fall through the cracks. Cause I think that that, that could, that can take you down, um, sometimes a lot bigger than a lot more than just like one big, big mistake. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny, the little things they, they, I, I think the same way, like I'll look back at, um, something we did and you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. where you're just like, mm-hmm. obviously I should have done that. Why didn't I think of doing that? It's like, Oh, because <laughs> exactly. I was juggling these five <laughs> things and I was a little stressed out because this thing happened. So money was a little, I felt like money was a little tighter. Uh-huh. Then, so I didn't do that. But looking back, uh-huh. at it, I was just stupid, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, yep. and, and yep. it's funny because yeah, it, it, you learn from them though, right? Going through them, sure 
through those experiences, the more times it happens, you're like, right, this has happened. <laughs> I know how to handle mm-hmm. this situation, so I won't mess it up. And, and the skis will be there for the photo shoot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like that will not have, like ever since then, like um, ever, you know, our, our the, the, the colors on our graphics have been the way that they're supposed to be. And from now on, I will have enough um, product for my photo shoots. And, but it is, it's, it's a process. You like, you have to make, you almost have to make mistakes to be able to learn from them. And because a lot of going through this is that you don't even know what questions to ask, or you don't even know what you're up against because every day is sort of a new, a new day. Um, and at the same time, like that makes it really exciting. Like this being a part of coalition is definitely not boring. And when we get to a point where every day is, is predictable, um, that's, you know, I don't, I don't see myself being a part of something that's so static, you know, so it's, it's pretty exciting now. Building a business definitely keeps you on your toes. Yes. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, um, whether it was in the outdoor industry or really just a business in general? Yeah, I would say, um, make sure that you're solving a problem. Um, your friends and family are going to tell you that any idea that you have is wonderful, but if you're not actually solving a problem that customers have articulated, you're going to have a very hard time selling something, whether it's a service or a, a, a product. So solve a problem, meet a need. The world does not need more like food delivered to your home. Okay. We don't need more of that. Like let's solve real problems. Um, so that would be the first thing. Um, get your get mentors and advisors, like people who know business, get them um, before you even start. And even if you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you still should have um, advisors. Like that's just that's just a thing. So um, get those pe- people. Um, find someone who can help you with finance, understanding cash flow and understanding like how your cash flow and your budget and your P&L and your balance sheet all tie together. Like that is, I think really the difference between having a hobby and having a business. So if you don't understand the financial side of things, if, um, get someone who can help you. Cause that's, that's huge. Um, know what it is that you're willing to suffer for. If it, there's, no one's ever started a business and thought that it was easy. And there's going to be moments where you question everything. And there's going to be days where you don't want to get out of bed. Um, I think what differentiates the people who are successful in business and the people who aren't are the people who choose to get out of bed every single day, no matter what you're, you're dealing with. So figure out what you're willing to suffer for because your life will be different when you choose to start a business. It's great advice. It really is. And it's not all rainbows. No. (laughs) No, um, Yeah. And, and, you know, the Insta webs would have you believe that like everything is amazing, but like, I don't know, I don't air my dirty laundry on Instagram and neither does the company. So you're definitely seeing like, you're seeing the, the positive, the positive things that we're putting out into the 
the world. So don't think that it's all fun and games or that we're just like fucking off all the time or, you know, like there's a lot of work that goes into it. We just choose not to like post the photo on Instagram of me sitting behind my computer for 10 hours in a day on spreadsheets. No one wants to see that. Right. Um, but there is like this whole side of it that is, um, serious and, um, sometimes difficult, sometimes just another day at work. And, um, knowing that it's not all fun and game, you know, like I, I definitely spend less time outside now, uh, than I did before I started the company. So, you know, you just have to know that there's going to be sacrifices for sure. You're right. Social media is, is the highlight reel. It's, it's hard yes. to, um, to, to sometimes real, not necessarily realize it, but just remember it when you're looking at things, you're like, Oh, these people are having so much fun. I'm spending, like you said, 10 hours in front of my computer yeah. slaving yeah. around on this idea that I'm pretty sure is going to work, but could disappear yep. next week. So <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of, um, the future, where, where do you see, coalition snow going in the next year five years ten years if you thought about it oh yeah no I've, i think about this all the time so um you know i like to um joke around not joke around when i say we're definitely going toward world domination um i want coalition snow to be a household name for any woman who skis or or rides and that's really sort of the long the long-term game um we, you know, have started with, with skis and, and boards and that's really sort of the, you know, the, the foundation of the, the company, but we also recognize that there's a huge opportunity to branch out. So we launched an apparel line on June 1st. Um, so we've, we've basically taken all of the rad graphics from our skis and boards and put it on, um, apparel like leggings and shorts and crop tops and things. So, um, we're putting more energy into to the apparel side of things. Um, we're actually, um, expanding our, our content. We send out, um, a weekly e-blast called lady parts. Um, and we're actually making that into a full platform that will launch, um, um, this week, actually, um, this week being August 14th, your listeners will, it'll be there for you. Um, so looking at how we can really, um, uh, you know, cultivate a, a narrative about women in the industry that we believe ser- serves us and helps to create like a more ec- equitable space. So, um, curating content and bringing it together on on the lady parts platform um, is something that we're going to spend a lot more more time on. Um, I would like to see that Coalition Snow has a has a global reach. Um, I want to have a team of athletes who are compensated fa- fairly, um, and like both by us as a company, but then also when they compete. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I want all these things to happen like in the next two two years. So, um, <laughs> but um, working on it, working on all these things. Sounds like you're going to be very busy. <laughs> yes, very busy. Absolutely. What's the best part about running Coalition Snow? Oh, hands down, the best part is all 
the women I've been able to meet. Like when I think about how my community has expanded because of this com- company, I don't know if I would have met these women if it hadn't been for Coalition Snow. And and I'm thinking both about our our core team, um, even to like our athletes and ambassadors to like random women that I meet um, you know, on the mountain who have a pair of coalition skis and I go up and chat, chat, chat it up. Um, that like the community that's been built for me is, is hands down the best thing about this company and will, um, exist, you know, long after, you know, whether the company, um, is around in 20 years or not, or whether I'm a part of the company in 20 years or not, like these friendships will, be, be there. And that's just incredible. Jen, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me and, and share your story. And I love what you guys are doing with really helping to give women in the outdoor space, really a voice and showing like, Hey guys, we're here. We're awesome. We're doing great things. Pay attention because we're going to do it with <laughs> you or without you. <laughs> and Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, now, if, if listeners want to keep tabs on Coalition Snow and what you guys are doing in the future, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so I would say there's there's two things. Um, one, you can follow us on Instagram at Coalition Snow. Um, second thing, pop over to our website, coalitionsnow.com, and sign up for Lady Parts for the e-blasts that we send out each, each week. Um, and those would be the two ways to stay connected with both what's happening at Coalition Snow, but then what's happening with women in the outdoors in general. Well, Jen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I also want to note for anyone who's listening, if you guys want to enter to win a pair of Coalition uh, skis or snowboard, we're, they're also partnering up with Wild Rye. Um, we're doing a giveaway with them and a feature trying to build awareness. Both the brands are, are women-owned. Um, we think it's so awesome what you guys are doing, and we really want to help create uh, this uh, positive movement uh, in the outdoor space, really just in in business in general and getting more uh, women involved. Uh, so if you want to enter that giveaway, head over to readyeddy.com and you can do that. But uh, with that, Jen, I really appreciate you taking the time. It really was a blast. Thank you. This was awesome. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.